Good morning, church. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with lust, control, and people-pleasing. My name is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. So this series, we're starting off a new series this morning called Lives Healing Choices. Um, and it's going to feel very similar to those of you who attend Celebrate Recovery on Friday nights, if you've ever attended one of those services. We're picking up a lot of liturgical elements from those services, and one of those will be the pastors introdu introducing themselves with their CR introduction. And so um, we're going to see some more liturgical elements throughout the service, and I will set those up. But first, I wanted to just pause for a second and say um, thank you. Um, one month ago tomorrow, we uh, welcomed our youngest our newest member of the Burton family here. Her name is Georgia Ray Burton. And, uh, and we're so excited to have her. She joined her sisters. I just want to say thank you um, to all of you, man, for praying for my family, uh, for bringing us food and taking care of us over the past month. Uh, we've really felt the hands of God in our lives. Um, and that's from all of you uh, praying for us, taking care of us. And so Thank you so much. Uh, she actually, she slept well last night. We only got up once last night, amen? So let's go. Hey, church, let's stand together. We're gonna give praise to the king of the universe this morning. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. I got it. Surely in this place we won't be quiet. 
Good morning. Hey, y'all can have a seat. Thanks a ton for joining us this morning. I'm grateful that y'all are here to worship with us this morning. We've been walking through a series. We started last week on the principles of Celebrate Recovery. So I'd love to introduce myself to y'all this morning. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, and I struggle with anger, control, and anxiety. My name's Aaron. Hey, thanks. I also want to tell you about a ministry we have here at Fellowship Fayetteville called Enable. Enable is, uh, it's our ministry to those with disabilities, and Enable seeks to help those with disabilities develop a vibrant and full faith as an active part of our church. And recently, I've had uh, one of my friends in Enable that she's taught me some amazing things about prayer. And this friend of mine is a 15-year-old girl with Down syndrome. And about a month ago, I had surgery on my hip, and she knew about this. And so in her cell group, which is our basically like community groups for our 7th through 12th graders, um, every cell group, she told them, she's like, hey, pray for Aaron Parks to get better. Pray for Aaron Parks to get better. That's what she calls me, Aaron Parks. And so pray for Aaron Parks to get better. And at dinner, her mom was telling me, she was like, what? we need to pray for Aaron Parks to get better. And so she was praying for me and praying for me. And I've been really amazed at what my recovery has been like since my surgery, and I attribute it in part to my friend's consistent prayer for me. She's growing in the Lord. She has an active and vibrant faith. And I'm so grateful for the, all of those involved with our Enable ministry, the, the individuals with disabilities, the leaders, the staff, and, and their passion for making sure that everybody has a, has a place here at Fellowship Fayetteville. So I just wanted to share that story with you and to, to let you know what God is doing in, in that space here at Fellowship. So there's a few other things I gotta tell you about. The first is here in two weeks, we're adding a service time. So 9, 10.45, stay the same. We're just adding a 7.45. So starting on the 21st, I would love to invite any of y'all that you're saying, you know what, I get up at 5 a.m., I could be here at 7.45. We would love for you to join us at 7.45. And as we add this service, our hope is that we'll just provide more space for people to be able to come and gather with us uh, on a Sunday morning. So that starts in two weeks, January 21st, 7.45. The next thing I would love to tell you about is Discover Fellowship. Those of you that are new to our church, uh, maybe you haven't been here super long and you've got some questions about who we are, why we do the things we do, uh, this is a great opportunity for you to step in and, and learn a little bit more about who we are. Or maybe you would say, I'm not necessarily new here, but I've never taken Discover Fellowship. Well, I would invite you to sign up. And uh, it's a, it's, like I said, it's a great opportunity to learn more about who we are. And so you can sign up on our website for that. Now, our student ministry here at Fellowship Fayetteville is called FSM. So you might see FSM all over the place. That just means Fellowship Student Ministries. And so over spring break, FSM has taken a group of 9th through 12th graders to Nashville, and they're partnering with a ministry called Mission Discovery that's going to connect them with local churches uh, so that they can minister in the town or in the city of Nashville. And so if you have a 9th through 12th grader, uh, we would love for them to join us on this trip. The deadline's coming up January 17th, and so be sure and sign up soon. So that's only 10 days from now. So be sure and have them sign up, but we'd love to have them join us on that trip. Couple more things that we'd love to tell you about, and Ann is going to tell us about those. Hey, I'm Ann. I'm on staff with the Young Adult Ministry. If you are a single woman in your 30s and 40s, then we have a fun event, um, Sip and Socialize. It's on the 21st. We'd love to have you. If you want to connect with other women in your season of life, we would love to see you at 1045 on the 21st. And then another event, if you are a woman of any age, we have an event on the 23rd. Worship, Learn, and Connect. It's a night of worship, um, teaching from an awesome speaker, and connecting with other women. So we hope to see you there. And let's pray. Father God, we walk into this room. Some of us are scared. Some of us are tired. Some of us are joyful. 
and expectant. Lord, however we walk in this room, we want to meet you here. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be in this place and that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Lord, I need that we're going to do in this series, and typically, if, if you guys are regular attendees, Fellowship Fayetteville on Sunday mornings, you're used to doing the confession and assurance of pardon that we do every single week, and we're going to continue to do that, but we're going to take a little break um, for the next three weeks in this series. We're going to replace it with another um, rhythm that happens in Celebrate Recovery each week, and that rhythm is reciting the eight principles together, and these are principles, these are principles that lay out the pathway to healing for us from our hurts, habits, and our hang-ups. And so the way that this works is I'm going to read the principle, and then I want us all as a congregation to read aloud the scripture reference together. So if you would, let's stand together and let's read. Principle one, realize I'm not God. I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing that my life is unmanageable. Happy, Happy are those who know that they are spiritually poor. Matthew 5, 3. Principle two. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, 4. Principle three. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Happy, Happy are the meek, Matthew 5, 5. Principle 4. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Happy, Happy are, are the, the pure in heart, Matthew, Matthew 5, 8. Principle 5. Voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Matthew 5, 6. Principle 6. Evaluate all my relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to the others when possible, except when to do so would harm them or others. Happy are the merciful, Matthew 5, 7. Happy are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, 9. Principle 7. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. Principle 8. Yield myself to God and be used to bring this good news to others both by my example and by my words. Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. Matthew 5, 10. As we reflect on those principles this morning, let's continue to sing songs of worship and of praise.
ending for the reading of uh, God's word. This is Mark chapter 5. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. But then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed, and and they pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Well, you see the people crowding around against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask us, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. But he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. It's a cool story, huh? Uh, How are we this morning? It's a cool story, huh? All right. Uh, How are we this morning? Okay, it's first Sunday of the new year. I want some energy. All right, here we go. Uh, my name is, is Garland, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful to be uh, with you this morning. Uh, let me just give you a handful of, of uh, more announcements just for you to kind of have in the back of your mind as the, as the new year and the new semester begins. Just a couple of things to think through. We want to connect you to community. I recognize in a room this size with this many people, it, it, it can be really easy to just kind of come in and out and not be known. That's not our hope, all right? The, the way to navigate life, the way to navigate the Christian life is, to, is in the context of community. And we've got a whole lot of ways to get you connected to community. Community groups, women's groups, men's groups, CR step studies. Uh, we've got something for young adults coming. Just be, just be looking forward in the next few weeks to how you can get connected. If you're here this morning going, I, I, I wanna get connected, go to the community booth right through those doors as you leave this morning and we'd love to chat through how to get you connected to community here. Uh, second big thing, we are a church that believes it is our, it's our desire, it's our mission to equip the saints for the work of ministry. This is all of us together trying to make Jesus' name famous here in this world, and we do this together. And so the way that we want to equip you is this strategy right here. This is how we do this at Fellowship Fayetteville. Um, we have our Discover, the things that are bolded are things that are coming up this semester. Discover Fellowship, as Aaron said, it starts in a week. Discover your Bible. If you don't know how to take the Bible, open it up and make sense out of it, then that's a great opportunity for you just to learn how to make the scriptures come to life for you in your own personal study. Panorama of the Bible, our walk through Genesis to Revelation. What is the big story of the Bible? That'll start here in just a couple of weeks. And finally, uh, if you are in our institute class, maybe you're considering it. If you are one of our church partners, a ministry partner, if you're in our global track, if, you wanna, if you're thinking about becoming a church planner, maybe you're wanting to look into what seminary education would look like, uh, that's the institute. And the next class will be the New Testament letters and Revelation. It starts in a week from Wednesday, and it'll be in this classroom Wednesday mornings. Lots of ways to help you be equipped to do the work of ministry here in our city. Now, for me to know who I'm talking to this morning, don't be ashamed. How many of you still have Christmas decorations of any kind up in your house? Holy cow, way more than I was thinking, way more than, okay, that's, that's my group, still got, when do you plan on taking it down? Like, does it just stay? I'm now shame, I'm not moving to shame you. I said don't be shamed, now I'm shaming you. Um, okay, this is just gives you insight into me. I'm a bit of a Grinch on this. Um, Christmas Day, that evening, I looked at my wife, Sarah, and I said, you ready to take all this stuff down? Um, and she said, no, it's Christmas Day. By 1.30 on the 26th, it was down, 
and in the attic where it belongs, all right? Now, also to let me know who I'm talking to here, raise your hand if you are like me in this, okay? I just want you to be honest. Raise your hand if you are, this only applies to my artificial tree using people in the room, but for some reason, with that artificial tree, every single year, I am like hyper-obsessed to get that tree back in the original box. Raise your hand if you're with me on this. All right, I'm not the only one. That box is ripped, it's tattered, it's broken, it's got four years ago tape on it, and this year I got the tree, I got in the box, and of course the tree's all bloated now, and the box is coming apart, and I put both, I put both sides of my legs on either side of it, I had tape ready, and I squeezed as tight as I could, I got the lid on, and I started taping, and it's back where it belongs, on the shelf for another year, all right? All right, that's the silliness. Uh, let me introduce myself. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and uh, I still struggle with anger, and I struggle with control, and I struggle with lust. And my name is my name is Garland. Thank you. Uh, really nice. Um, we are continuing this Celebrate Recovery three weeks as we kind of navigate, introducing you, our church, to the principles. We did this five years ago, if you were around back then, and we, we get to do it again over these next three weeks. I've had the privilege of walking through myself uh, two different Celebrate Recovery step studies, and they are both incredibly rewarding, incredibly challenging. They enable you to uh, do a deep dive into your life and to step into healing and freedom. And so as somebody's been through two of them, let me just uh, commend Celebrate Recovery to you. Uh, here's where we're gonna go this morning as we, as we look at what it looks like to step into the life that Jesus offers, the good life, a life of healing and joy and purpose. I know maybe some of you, this is the first time you've been in church in a while. Maybe it's a New Year's resolution. Maybe you're saying we're committed. Well, in light of that, Jesus is offering a, a, a life of joy for you. How do we step into it? Here's what we're gonna see in our passage this morning. I think we're gonna see a, a universal need that all of us have for some kind of restoration. Second, we're gonna have to ask the question, what is the starting point on the path to restoration? And lastly, what is Jesus' offer after all? So the universal need, the starting point, and the invitation. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me. Mark chapter five. It's an amazing passage. It's coming off the heels of an amazing passage. Let me give you the context of where we are in the gospel of Mark. We're gonna get to study, by the way, Mark's gospel starting after Easter all through the summer, all right? So we're gonna do a deep dive in Mark's gospel after Easter this upcoming year. But here's our context. Jesus has just gone into the first story in Mark chapter five. He's gone into Gentile territory on the eastern shores of the lake or the Sea of Galilee. Gentiles are non-Jews. It's a, it's, a, it's a hostile territory for Jews to go. And there he has one of the most crazy, amazing encounters with a man who's been possessed by what seems to be hundreds of demons. Go read it. Awesome story, Mark chapter five. He gets back in the boat and we're told he makes his way across the lake back over to most likely his home kind of ministry base, which is Capernaum. And there, a large crowd gathered as he hits the shore and comes up onto the waters. Now, I'm a visual person, so this, I'm sure many of you are as well. This is Capernaum, okay? You can see in the foreground here, this is the excavation site. There's a couple of modern buildings. That's the lake or the Sea of Galilee right there, just to give you a visual of what this would have looked like. This is the shore of Capernaum right here. And so this is where this story is taking place, all right? Just picture the scene. By the way, it's really, really beautiful at Capernaum. It's a really pretty spot. Uh, now, what happens? We're gonna, inter we're, gonna, we're gonna meet a couple of characters. Right, we're gonna start with three. We'll add a couple more later. The first character is a synagogue leader, we're told. His name is Jairus. Now, as a synagogue leader, this is a respected man. This is somebody that when, when he comes walking by, people would tip their caps to. He's a religious leader. He's somebody that, that he knows how to, how to give the right answers. He knows what it looks like to try to walk in, in right standing with Yahweh, his God. And everybody else knows it too. If this respected man has find, he's found himself squared up with a crisis, he doesn't know what to do. Somebody that knows what answers to give, he's suddenly without one. And if you read Mark's gospel, 
what you're going to notice is the synagogue leaders, the religious leaders in Israel, most of them seem incredibly skeptical about Jesus. I mean, in fact, they, they are openly hostile towards Jesus. Even by this point in the gospel, Jesus is threatening their very way of life, saying some very unusual things. Yet one of those synagogue leaders, he walks up to Jesus and he asks him a question. That's our first character. Now, our second character could not be more opposite. Notice, Jairus is respected. He's, an, he's a religious leader, after all. But then we're introduced to this poor woman. Now, uh, Mark's, Mark's storytelling style has a very regular rhythm when you read it in its original language, okay? Here's how uh, Mark's sentences work, okay? Very simple, short sentences, all right? Normally, he begins with what we would translate as and, then the action verb, then the subject. And it's such a regular rhythm in Mark. It's great storytelling technique, especially when you're telling stories orally, all right? Which is how a lot of these stories were told. Very regular rhythm. And Action, subject, then the rest of the sentence. Short, simple sentences. With this woman, we get, and I had to I switched over the NASB because it makes it, it, it kind of makes it especially clear. We get seven, you know, it doesn't matter what the grammar is, seven participle verbs that introduce this woman before we actually get to the action. Mark is heaping up the introduction about her. He's pulling you in to see this woman. Very unusual in Mark's storytelling style. Let's see it. Who is she? Notice, first, she's got a hemorrhage, an issue of blood, and it's been lingering for 12 years. Most scholars think that this is probably in her reproductive organs, a menstrual bleeding. 12 years. Now, here's what makes this so much worse than even what you're thinking. See, for the Jewish community, for somebody to be, be, be ceremonially unclean by this issue of blood, it marks them as separated from the, from the community for a period of time. They are literally made unclean by this issue of bleeding. Not sinful, not evil, just marked as unclean for a short period of time. Then they go and they receive cleansing from a priest, and now they're welcome back in the covenant community. How long has it been? Twelve years. Not just the chronic issue, but 12 years of ceremonial uncleanness, outcast from her community. People would almost no doubt assume that she must have somehow dishonored God or the gods, and they'd probably turn, turn their heads at her. What else do we learn about her? She's endured much at the hands of many physicians. All these are the participles that introduce her. She had spent all that she had. She tried everything, and notice, but she wasn't helped at all and only grew worse. Twelve years. Two more participles introduce her, though. Verse 27. Hearing that about Jesus, she came up to him. First person we meet, Jairus, he's respected. He's a religious leader. The second couldn't be more far from where he's at in social standing. And the third, don't forget the crowds. All around, there's crowds pressing in to Jesus. They, they want to see something. Maybe he'll show us something amazing. I think this speaks of something that maybe we can relate to in the room this morning. The crowds, the woman, Jairus, it, it's highlighting for us that as they see Jesus coming, this deep need that all of them has springs up and they reach for some kind of a restoration. I think all of us in this room, there's something in us universally that desperately needs some kind of a cleansing, some kind of a healing, some kind of restoration. By the way, whether you've been following Jesus for 30 years, 40 years, or you are not a Jesus follower at all, let me, let me, let me show it to you this way. I'm borrowing this from a friend of mine, uh, Mark Lee. Look at the left side of the page. I know there's a lot of words on there. These would be words that we might say are characteristic of an unhealthy soul, an unhealthy uh, internal rhythm, an out-of-balance heart. Just look at the list. The right side, these would be words that we might say are characteristic of a 
of a healthy soul, a healthy person, a well-adjusted person. So look at the list. And there's a lot on there. If you're being honest, on the left-hand side, how many words, if I said, what, what are characteristics for you, that characterizes you, how many words would you circle? And if I said, how many on the right side do you go, man, I, I want that. I wished I could be more like that. I've wanted to develop that for years and found almost no growth. How many would you circle? You're being honest. Now, fortunately, I'm not gonna make everybody come up here and share. That'd be kind of a, we might need to do that. Let me just, I did some soul searching myself and uh, I'll bold the ones that, uh, that I ended up circling. Not, not many, just like half the list for me. Um, things on the left are things that are still, been following Jesus for over 20 years, still true of me. Things on the right are things I wish were true, but oftentimes are not. What about you? Whether you've been following Jesus or you're skeptical about Jesus, don't all of us want to have more on this side? If we were honest with ourselves, don't we all want more over here than over there? It's this universal need for some kind of a restoration that I think every single one of us share. Now, if I said, hey, I got the secret to getting you more to the right side. I got the way to make your life more healthy. I bet most of us would be like, what is it? Show it to me. I'm dying for some advice. You know how I know this? There is a multi-billion dollar industry that is trying to do just that. We got hundreds, thousands of books telling you how to have a better life. We've got podcasts, we've got blogs, we've got magazines, we got, we got experts, doctors, gurus, spiritual thinkers, everyone is telling you how to have a healthy, well-adjusted, better version of you. And yet, almost all the data seems to be pointing that we actually keep getting worse. This is reflecting increase in mental health, uh, we might say, struggle, and you can see the, the dates. The World Health Organization did a uh, a study, and they found that from the decades of 07 to 17, uh, it was a 13% increase in global mental health disorders. All these experts, all this advice, all these blogs, all this technology, ah, it's not working. Now, I might suggest perhaps we have the wrong starting point. See, our culture... Western culture, American culture, here's the narrative of our culture. Our culture says, you have what it takes. You determine your worth. You determine your value. You can be who you want to be. You can do what you want to do. Don't let anyone stand in your way. You look internally. You have the strength to go be the best version of you you want to be. By the way, movies, TV shows, songs, culture, Everything is reinforcing that narrative. And it ain't working. Let me put it to you this way. I'm not sure if you've had the experience ever uh, or you've, maybe you've been in some other country or maybe you've been at a national park or something and you've come to one of these rickety bridge things. By the way, I am deathly afraid of heights. And we went to a, a, a park recently and we had to cross several of these. And uh, let me give you an old proverb, an old adage, all right? It's a truism. Weak faith in a strong bridge is vastly superior to strong faith in a weak bridge. Say it again. Weak faith in a strong bridge is vastly superior to strong faith in a weak bridge to go, I don't know, I'm a little scared, I don't know if it'll hold, ah, but it's strong. Way better than, oh, that's good, that'll hold. Step out, weak bridge, you see? It might be that we've got the wrong starting point, and it might be that we're placing our faith, our trust, our security in the absolute wrong thing, and it ain't working. 
and most of us have fallen victim to it. We've been fooled by it. Uh, what is the strong bridge? Let's look in the story. Notice, we, we read it earlier, Jairus, no doubt this would be incredibly difficult for him. Remember, the religious leaders, many of them, have, they, they have turned on Jesus. They are not buying what he's selling. And we don't know where Jairus has been in that journey. We don't know if he's with them. We don't know if he was, maybe, maybe we like this Jesus guy. But it doesn't matter. In this moment, with this crisis, he's got nowhere else to go. He feels completely and utterly powerless in front of what he's facing. Look at what he does. Look at his actions. He sees Jesus and he falls at his feet. To fall at the feet of somebody is to recognize their authority over you. They have power, you do not. And he begs him, Jesus, please, look at his words, please, my little daughter is dying. Come and put your hands on her that she will be healed and live. Now, this, this probably gives us indication as to what Jairus thinks about Jesus. He has, an, he has an incomplete knowledge of Jesus. This sounds a lot like what we see with Elijah and Elisha in your Old Testament in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. So what Jairus might think at this moment is maybe Jesus is like a prophet, one of those Old Testament prophets. Maybe he can come and he can, he can touch my daughter and lie next to my daughter and, and in the act of praying, maybe my daughter will be healed. Yes, his, his knowledge of Jesus is way incomplete, but look at what Jesus does. Jesus goes with him. This is one of the religious leaders who's been running Jesus out of town. And here goes Jesus with him. What about the woman? I think we get insight into what she thinks. She's just flat out wrong about Jesus. We even get some of uh, Mark discloses, maybe through eyewitness testimony, what she was thinking. She says, man, I thought if I could just touch his clothes that I'll be healed. This probably tells us that in the ancient world, people believed in all sorts of magic or sorcery or spells and all this thing. She may think Jesus is like one of those other magic workers or miracle workers. If I can just get near him and touch one of his clothes, then maybe I'll receive some of the power of the magic. Notice what she does. With a totally incorrect knowledge about Jesus, she comes before him trembling. You gotta imagine, pushes through the crowds. Can I just get near him? Her head is down. She feels the shame. She shouldn't even be this close, but reaches to touch him. Now, we're gonna come back to it. Look at what happens. Immediately. Mark loves that. Immediately. Bleeding stopped. She knew it. Now just, just pause. Can you imagine? What would you be feeling? Relief? Surprise? Doubt? I mean, her, it, this issue might, has defined a good part of her life. Maybe fear? This has really become who I am. I'm this woman. What does this mean for me now? Yet all of that falls by the wayside. I've, I've been healed. Can you imagine what she's thinking? But then Jesus, Jesus turns and says, who, who touched my clothes? And the disciples, they almost seem agitated or annoyed with him at this point. By the way, read the gospels. You'll notice those closest to Jesus, the disciples, often they really don't get it. They really don't understand they're with him, they hear him, they see it, yet they don't see it. At the end of Mark's gospel, as Jesus is talking about going to the cross, he's talking about what makes someone great, sacrifice, and they're like, who's gonna be at the right hand and left hand? We're pretty awesome. They still don't get it. Read the gospels, you'll see. They're the ones in, but they don't get it so frequently. And they say, how could you ask that, Jesus? Come on, just look at the crowds. But he won't let her stay hidden. He won't leave her in the shadows. He's looking intently. Now, she, she approaches him scared to death. A couple of reasons. One, she, she's probably afraid he's going to rebuke her. You stole this from me. How dare you inappropriately come and take my power? Maybe number two, she knows that by touching him, she made him unclean. Her uncleanness is transferred to him. So she comes up. Trembling, 
terrified and tells him. And what does she receive instead? Rebuke? No, no, look at what she receives. Jesus says, daughter. Jairus' daughter is sick. Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. This word healed, um, it's the Greek word, same word that Jairus asked. It's the Greek word that means saved or delivered or rescued or healed. And here it's, it's in a different tense. Most of the tenses Mark uses are gonna be what we would call past tense or we would call present tense. These are uh, a little different when you think about ancient Greek. This one is a perfect tense verb. It marks it as prominent. It highlights it. Your faith has rescued you. You're set free. We have two characters. One's respectable, one's disgraceful. One comes publicly. After all, he can. He's respectable. Another comes secretly in shame. One seems to have a sudden problem. His daughter has turned up sick. The other's had a multi-year, over a decade-long problem. One has an incomplete knowledge about Jesus, the other an incorrect knowledge about Jesus. Yet what is true of both? They fall. I can't do this anymore. I have no power here. Even not knowing all the details of who you are, Jesus, you have something that I don't have. Can I just tell you? I'm introducing you to principles one and two. And it's maybe modeled best by this posture. Realize I'm not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. By the way, that's really hard to admit. Southerners, particularly Southern Bible Belt Christians, it goes with principle two. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, that he has the power to help me recover. I don't want to leave you um, in a story Jairus' daughter, we're awaiting the answer, right? Jesus, upon healing this woman, we have people arriving on the scene with some bad news. They said, your daughter died. You were too late. Jesus didn't make it in time. Don't bother him anymore. And you can imagine the tears welling up in Jairus' face. The commotion as his family takes him back home, and yet Jesus does something surprising. He says, no, let's keep going. I'll go to your home. As they approach the house, Jesus says, she's only sleeping. And Jairus' family, through the tears, you have to imagine, begins to laugh at him. What, are you trying to add insult to injury, Jesus? Are you serious? And then he goes into the room with the father, the mother, and a few of his disciples, and we even get the Aramaic of what he says. He says, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, she rose to her feet, and she was healed. And the people were like, I mean, it says astonished. How do you capture it? What in the world? These stories are highlighting what it looks like to uh, begin the process of recovery begin the process of restoration. But in both cases, they start by just bowing in desperation. Now, I can imagine there's some, some of you, maybe many of you in this room this morning, and you're going, yeah, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. What I'm dealing with, it's, it's bigger than that. It's been going on way more than 12 years. And yeah, those are just stories. Those are old stories. How do we know that really happened? I don't think so. See, there's some other characters in the story. I've already highlighted one. and It might be indicative of many of the people in the room this morning. There's the crowds. And they're all reaching for Jesus. Maybe he'll show off. Maybe he'll do a healing. Maybe he'll, he'll make bread come out of nowhere. We'll eat today. Show us something cool, Jesus, and maybe we'll press in. Maybe that's you this morning. You're going, I don't know. If God would do something amazing, maybe I'd start to press in. I might invite you over these next three weeks, even with an incomplete knowledge about God, incomplete knowledge about Jesus, just to begin to lean in. The disciples. The disciples are with Jesus, they're close to Jesus, they see him doing amazing things, they hear about what he's doing, they hear his teaching, and yet so often, 
they totally miss it. In fact, oftentimes the disciples will see people that Jesus talks to and they'll go, how, how could you talk to that person? Maybe there's some of you in the room this morning, you're going, yeah, 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 okay. Recovery and all that, that's for those people. Of course they need it. But I'm, I've been with Jesus a long time. I, I know it all. I, I know the stories. You would never say it out loud. But these next three weeks are difficult for you because what you see is people that need it and people that don't. Might I invite you this morning even to begin that process of what it looks like. A third group, we have Jairus' family. They're just flat out skeptical. They laugh when he comes in. Now, their skepticism is, is valid. They're also fighting through grief. Maybe that's you this morning. You just go, you just kind of laugh at this whole thing. Ancient Bible stories, singing songs, what is this all about? Can I just ask you, is what our culture is offering, is it working? How's it working? Do you find the restoration? Perhaps with open eyes and open mind, I would invite you to consider what Jesus would offer you. That's where we close. The invitation of Jesus. Notice the action of Jesus in the passage. The, the verbs of action. Jesus is always moving towards the broken. Always moving towards the one who are desperate. He goes with Jairus. He's looking for the woman. He walks into the door of the, dead, uh, the house of the dead girl. He's moving towards the broken. And as Jairus' family comes weeping and says, don't bother him anymore, she's already died. Look at his invitation. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't get bogged down in that word belief. It's such a Christian-y word. What does that look like? Well, here's what it looks like. It's not as easy as it seems. Every single one of us, there's a universal need in this room for some kind of a healing, some kind of restoration, some kind of hope. There's things in us that we go, man, I desperately want that to be cleansed, whether you've been following Jesus or not. And Jesus invites you and me this morning to step into restoration, step into the good life, to trust in the strong bridge have you found all the other ones failing? Now, um, how can Jesus be that strong bridge? How can we have certainty? I want you to notice it. In both stories, and you might highlight it in your Bible, notice the emphasis on touch. The woman touches Jesus' clothes. He walks in and he touches the little girl. Mark emphasizes it. Why? I mentioned it earlier. In both cases, a woman with this issue of blood, this little girl who has died. In both cases, those two are ceremonially unclean. To touch either of them would make the one touching them now unclean. They get their uncleanness on them. So how does Jesus secure for us the strong bridge that we can hope in? It's the story the Bible's telling. It's an unbelievable story. No other spiritual ideology, no other guru, no other teacher would dare say something like this. What the gospel teaches us is that Jesus gets our uncleanness on him. Our shame, our brokenness, our failure, our hurt relationships, our pain, our grief. He says, I'll take it on me so that you could be set free. I'll take the uncleanness, and you can walk in freedom. I'll take the brokenness, you can walk in wholeness. No other religion and no other spiritual ideology would dare reduce the creator to being touched by the unclean. Do you see it? It's the story the Bible is telling. And Jesus, he heals them both. Both cases, they leave clean. So which are you this morning? Fit in if I would Jairus? Maybe the woman? Then forever in no hope. Skeptical family? 
the crowds, maybe we'll see. Maybe you feel like you've been on the inside, but you don't get it. You need some healing yourself. We all want to move, don't we? We all wish this was more true of us. And Jesus tells the woman, you can leave with peace and you could be freed. It's the offer of Jesus this morning for you. It's the offer of Jesus this morning for me. And here's how we're gonna, we're gonna practice that this morning. We're gonna actually adopt uh, a practice that we do on Celebrate Recovery. If you've never been, let me describe it for you. Um, in a minute, I'm gonna sit down and we got two songs, so plenty of time. And we're gonna invite you, if you're here this morning going, man, I need to surrender this this hurt, this wound, this habit, this addiction, this struggle, this sin, whatever it may be for you. The left side of that column, I need help and I need God to help me. I realize I can't do it, I'm powerless and I believe he can. We're actually gonna have some of our, uh, some of our volunteers down here in the front and they've got little blue chips. It's just a plastic chip, but it's not. It's a symbol of you saying, I trust that maybe Jesus can help me and you stepping out the strong bridge. Your, the bodily movement matters. So we're gonna invite you as we sing. If that's you, and I hope it's many of us this morning, we're gonna do this for the next three weeks to stand up and walk forward and grab a blue chip. There'll be people up here to shake your hand, pat your back, give you a hug. We would love to do that with you. Now, if somebody around you makes that move, we wanna celebrate with them. We wanna clap, we wanna cheer. So for the next 10 minutes or so, may this be a place of surrender and hope and healing and celebration. The table is open. Come when you're ready.